What's up, everyone? My name is Drew, and you're listening to the DCC Podcast. As we embark on this new journey together, we're calling the quest. There are so many quests and journeys that we take in life, and one of those is a financial journey. Join us as over the next four sessions, we're going to explore some financial milestones as we aim to live and lead better lives financially and spiritually. This podcast series should be coupled with our sermon, which you can find by searching Delaware Christian Church on YouTube or Facebook. Or you can go directly to our website, dccwired.org. So today's session provides an overview of some of the building blocks into creating a budget. And let's be honest, budgeting could be scary in the world and culture we live in today, but the principles and disciplines we learn from budgeting will help us in our quest to financial freedom. Let's dive in. I'll tell you just briefly about me. Um, I know I recognize a lot of folks in here, a lot of faces, certainly. Uh, some of you might know my wife, Jessie, equally tall, curly hair, works a coffee bar, but, but my wife and myself, uh, 13 years ago, I moved here from St. Louis. I was working for Edward Jones, our corporate office. I, long story short, born and raised. West Virginia undergrad, my master's in finance, and I went right to work in our corporate office, St. Louis. So I'm kind of more of a country boy, if you will. Uh, didn't think I'd meet my wife while I was out in St. Louis. She's a city girl, born and raised St. Louis, and uh, we went back as we were getting more and more serious and, and engaged, and I knew all along I wanted to start my own practice. I looked at West Virginia, she had never been. Um, but when we went back, I knew pretty quickly it wasn't going to work for her. So, you know, two small town where I grew up, you'd come to like Pittsburgh or Columbus, where your, your big towns, you would come up uh, an hour and a half and four hours away, respectively. So 13 years ago, I came here uh, with an idea to kind of build this business, as Sam has mentioned. And I'm not good at a lot of things, but, but there's a couple of things that I'm okay at. And, and I like to think for whatever reason, uh, one of my talents is money and, and finance, and that's been the case as long as I could remember, back to a teenager. So um, that's a little bit about us. I am a certified financial planner and partner with Edward Jones, been here 13 years over on the east side of Delaware, and we take care of about 350 families, most of which are, are kind of a step past this, which I'll talk about if you come back for week three. That's really week three and four where most of my day is spent. So I, I thought, and I'm, I tend to walk around a lot because it's more of, I know Sam likes to, to be up there and, and preach more, but I tend to walk around and, and be a little more interactive. So if anybody is so bold, and I do want to applaud everybody that, that comes here today because we know the statistics, we, when you look, are very staggering. You know, Sam mentioned some of that, but roughly four out of every five people you run across have major money issues in the United States. Uh, so if you, you know, you're in a small group, 10 people in a small group, roughly two of the 10 are in good financial health on average. Uh, and if you want a book recommendation, it was written 20 years ago, but The Millionaire Next Door. Um, love the book. I think it'll be really eye-opening if you haven't read it or heard of it, uh, because I think there's a difference between looking wealthy and financially a secure and free and actually being wealthy. You know, most folks would think, well, the person that drives the $120,000 Mercedes is wealthy. And they might be, but a lot of times it's just debt. You know, it's a lot of debt. Uh, if you actually look at, at if anybody ventured to guess the uh, most driven car by millionaires in the United States, most driven vehicle, I should say, by millionaires in the United States, BMW, that's the most common answer, or one of them. Honda Core, that's a good guess, not it. Honda Civic, good guess, we're, we're in the wrong brand. Toyota, and we're getting close. It's a Ford F-150. So if you think about what we would tend to think would be a BMW, a Lexus, uh, Maserati, you know, whatever, uh, most of your millionaires, your, your people who are truly financially free, whether that's a million or 200, you know, financially free has different meanings to everybody in this room. Um, you probably would never be able to pick them out of a crowd. Now, again, there are certainly people that can be both look wealthy and be wealthy. 
You know, LeBron James looks wealthy, and I saw last week he, he was the first athlete during his career to become a billionaire. He looks and is. Uh, most of us have to make a choice of, of whether we would rather look wealthy to the world. And then week two, I'll talk about uh, America sets us up for failure in a lot of ways. You know, you think about social media, marketing. I mean, everything that's in your face, and some of this I'll get to, but Sam referenced if you were here Sunday, you know, if you're an American, you're really, really wealthy relative to most of the world. Uh, but again, we would feel like we don't have much, or we, we never have enough is, is better yet. We're never satisfied. So I, I think, uh, and again, to echo Sam, I would view these next couple of weeks as just starting points, because really this is about habit change. You know, if you, if you step out, my, my wife, she's not here tonight, so Sam gets to pick on his wife. I'll pick on my wife a little bit. Uh, but she's always starting and stopping new diets. You know, and, and so a week ago, actually a week ago today, her and my mother-in-law, they're like the kings of this, which my personality drives me crazy, but I get their different personality types. They started Weight Watchers. A week later today, do you think they're still on Weight Watchers counting points? No, they, they quit doing it. So, so some of the data, I mean, folks probably in the room have, have seen it or heard it. It takes a long time to form a habit. You know, if you start going to the gym uh, and you give up after three days, you haven't given it a enough time to form a habit. And, and some studies will say 21 days to form a habit. I would say months. So, so this really is, I mean, if you come tonight, if you learn a little bit, that's great. But, but our hope is really it's the, the start of, still the title of the book, a quest. You know, a lifestyle change. Because that's the only way... Uh, that, that you'll really get those things that you want become financially free. There is no take this pill, you know, and all your credit card debt is gone, like we want with weight, or, or you know, all the, these get-rich-quick schemes or, or ways to lose weight. There is none of that, unfortunately. I have not found a, a golden key or a, a magic genie or anything like that. Um, but I, I thought where maybe we would start, and again, if anybody is brave enough, what are folks hoping to get out of this session? Anybody? Knowledge? Now, that's always a good start. So knowledge, education. And hopefully you all can see this in the back. What else? <laughs> he hadn't been telling you. He's been hiding out. Hey, we got secret billionaires. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so knowledge, education. Everybody, I mean, go ahead, Luke. Okay. Sorry about that, Sarah. I know you told me that right before we started. <laughs> So Luke said, uh, and I can just repeat it as well, but, but he said knowledge of investing. And I'll touch a little bit tonight, week three. So two Wednesdays from now is on just investing. Anybody else? Budgeting, how to? Okay, I think you're in the right place for that one. Which is, that's great. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, uh, retirement uh, funds, how okay. to... Uh, invest those. Again, I'll talk some on that, but a lot in week three in particular. And budgeting was said in the back. We didn't catch it on the mic. Maybe learn a little bit more about good and bad spending habits. Okay, very good. Good versus bad. I know a lot about bad spending habits. <laughs> Um, how to protect what I do have. Okay. So hopefully all of you come back for uh, weeks three and, and four. We'll cover a lot of this. So protect what we do have. And certainly the last six months have brought that to top of mind for a lot of folks. So anybody else? 
Now, how many folks have the book? Have you read the book? It's a pretty easy read, or at least the first chapter. Oh, so if you don't have the book, copies on the back table there, but, but show of hands if you've read the book or at least chapter one of the book. Okay, so, so a lot of this, again, the way it's structured is Sam will preach on the first chapter, and then we'll do a workshop on that chapter, and then he'll preach on chapter two, and then a workshop on the chapter. So, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get started. So it's talked about in the book, and I'm going to hope. But the power of budgeting. And it really is a, a power and a skill, because budgeting is not meant... Uh, and I'm sure everybody in this room has tried a budget. Uh, maybe you've thought about trying a budget, but, but it's been too intimidating, perhaps. Uh, it's been something that's been too hard. Uh, it's been what a lot of folks think it's too restrictive. You can't buy the shoes you want to buy. Uh, but really, a budget is designed to be freeing. So, so a budget is the exact opposite of designed to be restrictive, uh, the, the power of it is it is freeing if you do it correctly. Because if you budget $100 a month for sneakers, and my oldest brother has a sneaker collection, so I, I don't quite understand it, but, but he's got you know, a ton of shoes. But if you put that in your budget, you, budgeting isn't about doing nothing fun or not spending money on fun things, but it's about allocating those dollars. And so... Uh, we haven't got to the cake yet. It, you know, everybody might be wondering, like, why we put cake in front of you and we haven't told you to eat it yet. So feel free uh, to, to start to carve that up. But I'll use that here uh, in a couple of moments on one of the slides. So if you want to, somebody pop it up and start cutting it up, dishing out pieces for those who want it. If you don't want it, you're going to take a cake home with you. So, so somebody eat it, please. Uh, but I love this quote. Anybody familiar with Leo Tolstoy? So this was less controversial a year ago, but he was a Russian author. Um, he wrote War and Peace. And, and I, I, I mean, I'm a big quote person. I love quotes. I, I think, you know, not only can they be motivational, but hopefully inspirational. Uh, but if you look at this here from, from Leo Tolstoy, there are two ways not to suffer from poverty. The first is to acquire more wealth. The second is to limit your requirements. The first is not always within our power, but the second is always, or I would say almost always, within your power. So if you think about it, there's two ways you can fix a budget. You can say, hey, I'm going to make more money, which might be part of the solution or, or might need to be part of the solution. But a much simpler way is to say, I'm going to make the money I make fit within what I spend money on. So again, I, I think it's such a powerful quote because a lot of, I'm going to stereotype, but a lot of Americans would say, well, we've got to acquire more wealth. That's how we fix the budget. And that's never a bad thing done in the right way. But a much easier way to do it is look at your spending, your expenses, which, again, I'll talk about here in a moment. So let's start with the quest. And Sam had referenced this, uh, of course, in the sermon. So I don't know, Sam, if you've, you've seen the movie now. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> It is creepy, you know, if, if you have watched the film, but, but if you've seen... <laughs> I'm sure in the 1930s, I think it was 38 or 39 when this movie was revolutionary, I don't know that I'd show our five-year-old this movie. She might have nightmares for a couple of days. But I, I think when you think about a quest, and we had talked about this is really a habit change. Uh, if you look, and Sam gave this definition on Sunday, the definition of quest is lo a long or arduous search for something to con be considered of value. And I, I love when you actually drill down on what arduous means. And I, I, you know, I'm from West Virginia, so if you start to hear some like hillbilly come out in me, excuse me, I thought it's been all gone by now. But if you, you drill down on arduous, arduous means involving strenuous effort difficult and tiring. So this isn't going to be easy. And, and in doing this now for 13 years and probably you know, 20 or 30 workshops a year, uh, I, I know that very few of you, if I follow up in three years, 
will have implemented some of these things. Because it's hard. Like dieting, it's hard. Like exercising, it's hard. So, so my hope is catching folks at the right time where you're ready to uh, make a habit change. So let's watch. We talked about the Yellow Brick Road. Um, of course, the, the book in particular talks about the Bible being your, your best reference point, your Yellow Brick Road. Um, but that is ultimately our guiding light. So if you haven't seen it, I'm afraid you've made rather a bad enemy of the wicked witch of the West. The sooner you get out of Oz altogether, the safer you sleep, my dear. Oh, I'd give anything to get out of Oz altogether. But which is the way back to Kansas? I can't go the way I came. No, that's true. The only person who might know would be the great and wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. Wizard of Oz? Is he good or is he wicked? Oh, very good, but very mysterious. He lives in the Emerald City, and that's a long journey from here. Did you bring your broomstick with you? No, I'm afraid I didn't. Well, then, you'll have to walk. The Munchkins will see you safely to the border of Munchkinland. And remember, never let those ruby slippers off your feet for a moment, or you will be at the mercy of the Wicked Witch of the West. But how do I start for Emerald City? It's always best to start at the beginning, and all you do is follow the yellow brick road. But what happens if I just follow the yellow brick road? so quickly here. Follow the yellow brick road. 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 Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. All right, so probably enough for everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so follow the Yellowberg Road. And I, I think as you think about this process, that habit change, this new way of life, uh, there's a Chinese proverb, which I'm sure many of you have heard, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And that's really what budgeting is, is, you know, we can talk investing, but really if you don't have budgeting in place, you probably can't do investing right. You know, so there were kind of building blocks of, of next week we'll tackle debt. And again, it all starts with, with the budget, but it's that, that first step on the, the yellow brick road. So I always like to start with why do this, and, and I'm guessing all of you see some value because uh, you didn't know there were going to be free cake. So, so you came for some reason other than the cake tonight uh, in terms of why do this. But I always like to start with why because I think inherently uh, human, uh, us as humans and our human flesh is very selfish. You know, we want to know what is in it for me. And so we had talked a little bit about this, but if you look at some of the statistics around uh, debt and the money problems we have in the United States, I've drawn this from a couple of different sources uh, seven out of ten Americans have cried about money. I mean, seven out of ten Americans, 70% of people have cried about money. You'll see different figures on this. It's a big figure regardless of which one you pull. It's estimated 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So you just get to payday, and that's just enough to get by. 78 uh, the book says, I think the, uh, I believe it says the second leading cause, the, the source I found uh, is the third leading cause, but, but it's a huge issue for marriages. It's one of the biggest reasons folks get divorced behind like infidelity. So 
there's a lot of reasons to consider why to get your house in order. Credit card debt just crossed over a trillion dollars in the pandemic. To give you an idea, a trillion dollars, because it's a big number, it sounds like a lot. Does anybody, and I know we've got the mic issue, it, I'll repeat it, but want to take a guess to how much is a trillion dollars? Or, or if you were to explain a trillion dollars, how might you explain it? A million million? Million billion, okay, okay. And that's a, technically, you, well, it's technically, yeah, you'll get there. Um, how about a simple explanation of if you were to spend $50 million every day for 50 years, that is not a trillion dollars. $50 million a day for 50 years doesn't add up to a trillion dollars. And us as Americans, we have over a trillion dollars. This is just credit card debt. This is not consumer debt. This is the worst type of debt. Uh, or on average, and average is tricky because some folks in the room, I'm sure if I said, hey, who has zero credit card debt? Hopefully most or all would raise their hand. Um, but average is tricky because there's probably folks in the room that might have 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 of, of credit card debt. But the average per household credit card debt, $6,200 per family. So we've got a big problem. And in session two, by the way, I'm going to talk a, a lot about why this happens. This, I've always loved this, I mean, just the industry that I'm in. I do a lot of retirement planning uh, for folks that are getting ready or already there. One of the most depressing, but I would say almost always true statistics. And of course, we're in June. So who's thinking summer vacation? Show of hands. Or, or has one planned or thinking about one? That's it? All right, no, no one's ready to travel after the pandemic? Um, the average American family spends more time planning their summer vacation than working on their finances each year. You think, about, we're planning a Disney trip for August. I mean, we've got, you ever plan one? It's a complex planning thing, four or five hours into that planning. The average family will spend less time working on their finances than actually their summer vacation. Uh, some more practical reasons. Obviously, budgeting helps you live within your means. So, so that's a very practical, that, that you end up spending less than you make, not make more than you spend. Again, we'll talk about session two, but, but you can't really have a plan to tackle debt without a proper budget. So if you have debt, stick around for session two, because that will be specific and, and solely on debt. But until you have a budget in place, you, you really can't tackle debt because you don't know how to carve up your pie or your cake, as we'll talk about. Uh, and then lastly, it helps you save for the future and emergencies. You know, I, I really uh, have a hard time understanding why so few of us live like there will be a, a tomorrow. Now, I suppose Jesus could come back tonight, and, and that may bail us all out. Um, but, but I think we really need to be thinking and planning like, hey, we might be here in 30 years. We might be here in 50 years. Or for some of us, you know, 60 years potentially uh, in this room. So when you look at all these reasons, and some of these I would say are, the, you know, we could point to ourselves and say these are our fault. We are here because of me or us or, you know, you if you're sitting next to a spouse perhaps. Um, sometimes, you know, this is thrust upon us where, where maybe it wasn't in our control. And again, I'll talk a little bit about this in session two, but an unexpected major medical bill, you know, put you 40000 in the hole or 50000 in the hole. My point with this presentation is whether or not uh, it is your fault, it is your responsibility. And I know that, that that's a tough thing, but, but it's one of my favorite things to, to share with folks is, you know, we can sit here and play the blame game of, well, I'm here because of this or that. Whether it's our fault or not, we're here. We've got to take responsibility for it, wherever we are. And everybody, you know, is at different places within the room. Uh-oh. Structurally sound building, I imagine, so. <laughs> are we good? Okay, perfect. Good and safe, if you didn't hear Sam. 
So you might wonder, again, why we put the cake, coming again, uh, on everybody's table. And I think as you think about a visualization of what a budget is and what the process of budgeting is, and I see some of you have opened the cake and, and you've started to, to cut in and eat, and some have, have not. Uh, but if you visualize and imagine that cake, uh, that is how much income you have. So, so visualize the cake as your total income. And then the process of budgeting is how you're going to decide to carve up the cake. So if you imagine, if you start every month and half of your cake goes to your mortgage or your rent, it's going to be real hard to make the other half of the cake fit every other need and want that, that you have. Or if half of the cake goes to a car payment or a third of, of the cake. So the reason we put the cake is that it's an easy visualization. The thing about all budgeting is, is how are you going to carve up your cake? What are you going to prioritize that's important to you? We'll talk about in the retirement session, but, but many folks don't even prioritize giving themselves a piece of cake where they're, they're saving for their, their own selves 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So you think about what a budget is. It's a, a budget is a spending plan based on income and expenses. Uh, in other words, it's an estimate of how much money you'll make and spend over a certain period of time, such as a month or year or a quarter or a couple of years. But think about cake because, it, again, we can financialize and, and make things overly complex. Everybody in this room has a cake. Some of us have bigger cakes than others. That's okay. We got to work with the cake we have, and how are we going to carve that cake up? That's all budgeting is. So how do we do it? Uh, and this is something, if you want to jot this process down, we can get these slides out to folks. It's a pretty easy process when we go through. Um, maybe I should say it's simple, but not easy, and that, that you got to change the habit, but, but the actual process is easy to, to work through. So the first thing is you have to figure out what your net income is. And net income, I know a lot of folks get net and gross confused. Uh, net income is what hits the bank account every month. And that could be for some of your wages, salaries, tips, earned income. For others in the room, it could be Social Security, retirement income, IRA distributions, pensions, et cetera. But, but it's what hits the, the bank on a monthly basis after tax, after Social Security, Medicare, after retirement contributions. Uh, gross income is just the top number. So really, from a budgeting standpoint, you start with what hits the bank. Next piece is you got to figure out where your money goes. And this is always something that even folks that I work with tend to have already accumulated stuff, and you ask them, well, where do you spend money? How much money? They have no idea. And, and I think one of the things, who still uses cash in the room? I'm curious. A couple cash folks, that's actually more than I had thought. I mean, maybe 10 or 15%. But, but I think one of the reasons we're able to so easily spend money is, I put my wallet over there, but the credit card. You know, you don't think about swiping and where money goes and it's five bucks or even now on your phone you know if you have like an apple pay or google pay or something you don't even have to swipe anymore just scan your phone uh and, and i'll share this as a, a quick idea but my in-laws when i first met them 13 years ago they, they used the envelope system which is an old dave ramsey method anyone familiar with the envelope system um you know it, it's definitely inefficient but if you want to know where your money goes go to the envelope system and the envelope system is and when you get paid, take your paycheck out in cash. So you go to the bank and say, all right, I got 1000 bucks for this month of income. Take it out in cash, $20 bills, you know, a couple of fives, a couple of hundreds. And then you write on each envelope housing, food. You, know, the, you have different envelopes for different categories, and you put in the envelope $100 for entertainment. So that when you go out to Texas Roadhouse, you take that envelope with you, and if you open it up and, and dust flies out, we don't get Texas Roadhouse that, that month. And, and I don't think it's a great long-term, you know, something that my in-laws have, have since quit doing it because it is very inefficient to, you know, who wants to run to the bank every time they're paid and carve money. But, but if you're having trouble just figuring out where you're, and there are all kinds of technological apps 
as well, mint and spend and, you know, if you type into your, your app store on an Apple-based phone or budgeting, you'll get more results than you want. I'm old-fashioned in that I think sometimes good old pen and paper and just physical stuff helps you stick with it. Uh, but we've got to know where our money goes. And this is, a, again, another piece I'll talk about in the second session, but I think we have so confused, especially as Americans, uh, what is, is have to versus want to. So Netflix. I like Netflix, and I'm going to venture to guess a lot of folks in the room uh, also like Netflix. Netflix have to or want to? Want to, right. Uh, what about cable TV? Want to. What about like an expensive cell phone plan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I do think, Sam, it's a good point because certain professions, you know, I would argue when I, I came to town 13 years ago, we didn't for two or three years have internet at our house um, because the library provided it. Now, work from home was a lot less common then than it is today, but I would even say for most folks in this room, internet is a luxury. And unless you have to work from home, but I think we've so blurred the line of, of, well, we have to eat, we don't have to eat out. And my wife and I, we have this running joke uh, that, that God's honest truth, um, but, but when we talk to folks about budgeting now that we've progressed, DiGiorno was a treat when I first came to Delaware. I'll say it again, DiGiorno was a treat when I first came to Delaware. You know, so that is the level of discipline and sacrifice you have to, or you might have to be willing, because you might in your budget allocate for Amato's, you know, and if it's in the budget, that's okay, but our pie, we couldn't carve it up to where Amato's would fit in there. So I'll never forget the first couple of years, if we went to Wits, and now you might see me there, you know, definitely more often, but if we went to Wits, that was a big deal. So, so I think we've really blurred this line between, okay, what do we have to do and what do we want to do? It's nothing wrong with once. But, but we have to do the, the have-tos first. We have to take care of that house. And then once our once there are things that are nice to have. So once you know where your income is and where it goes, then you can start to make some goals. And everybody in this room is, of course, going to have different goals because you have different dreams, you're different ages, time frames. Some of you have kids, grandkids. Some of you have no kids. Some of you want to buy a house. Some of you don't want to buy a house. So everybody's going to have different goals. But once you know where you are, you have to next figure out where you want to go. And that's what goal setting is. And again, it doesn't have to be this big, complex, unfun process. So uh, I would say break your goals down into three Categories. I'm going to get caught up on my slides. Uh, short, medium, and long-term. Pretty basic. I'm sure everybody has heard this kind of strategy. But, but think about short-term goals can usually be accomplished in a few months or up to a, a couple of years. So this could be something like an emergency fund. You want to get an emergency fund in place. Uh, again, unfortunately, we know the average American family, the emergency fund is the visa. So what should an emergency fund be? A good rule of thumb is take whatever it takes to run your household, the have-tos, because in crisis, you probably shouldn't go to a motto's, right? The have-tos, uh, add up whatever that have-to number is and then multiply it by three or six. So three to six months of the have-to should be somewhere in an emergency fund. Give you an example, if it takes you 5,000 to run your household, you have to have. I'm making the math easy on myself. I chose 5,000. Uh, you would want to have anywhere between 15 and 30,000 dollars in an emergency fund. That would be a good short-term goal. Now, some of you might say, "Hey, we can live 2,000 a month." But then it's just three, th or three times 2,000, 6,000 to 12,000. And an emergency, uh, by definition, should be something unforeseen. So, again, there's a little bit of gray area, but but your HVAC, I would say, your HVAC going unexpectedly bad, you know, if you have a system after 11 years it goes bad, okay, that could be probably an emergency. Your HVAC going bad after 30 years, that's not an emergency. That's poor planning. 
you know, because, I mean, we know these things have, have lives. You know, your, your roof that has lasted 50 years, it's not an emergency when you need a roof replacement. You got five decades out of it. Uh, again, it unexpectedly goes bad, and the insurance doesn't cover it. That's a true emergency. So uh, short-term goals, again, some other ideas I put down. Uh, emergency fund, pay off debt. You look to medium-term goals. These are going to be things you want to accomplish in two to five years. And I'll share a quick example, which I thought was pretty neat. But uh, right before the pandemic, I'm sure many of you might know or are familiar with Paul Kraft. And uh, he was the superintendent of Delaware. Now he's going to be superintendent of Buckeye Valley. But he had uh, gone to the church, and, and he did Dave Ramsey here right before the pandemic. And it was 2019 or so. And uh, he had asked me to come over for one of the sessions and talk with some of the folks about investing. And there was, I think, six or eight couples, or six or eight people, three to four couples that had attended. Uh, and one of the folks that, that I had sat down with, this is 2019, they had a lot of debt. Uh, they, you just kind of in the early stages of putting their financial house in order. So they wanted to talk about investing. I said, well, the investing comes later. We've got to get this cleaned up. We've got credit card debt. We've got a lot of bad debt. And I really never heard from them up until like six months ago. And actually prepping for this, put two and two together in my own mind. But, but six months ago, they reached back out uh, and they had just found me you know, via a Google search and, and said, well, hey, I think we're ready to sit down. So you think about that, that was a couple of years that they had worked, but, but some of their midterm or medium-term goals were, were kind of paying off debt. So again, it's, it's an arduous journey. It's not easy. Uh, lastly, long-term goals, of course, more than five years. So you start to think about saving for retirement. If you're already in retirement, how do you make the money last? How do you think about your legacy, which again, we'll cover in uh, section four of the workshop, week four. If you have kids or grandkids and you're thinking about their own education, so our oldest daughter is five, um, we started saving for her college five years before she was born. Now you might say like, how in the world? You didn't even know you were going to have a kid. And we didn't. In fact, if you know our story, we had a lot of fertility issues, years and years of, of fertility issues. But we knew our goal was, God willing, we wanted to have kids. And so we had started five years prior saving in a 529 college plan, which again, it'll talk a lot more about in section three, but really getting started is the key. So, so we knew that was an intent, a goal of ours. So we were thinking long-term. Obviously, she'll have 23 years, roughly, of, of contributions with a five-year head start. Uh, lastly, uh, SMART goals. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, but, but when you set goals, it do does no good uh, when you're setting a goal to say, I want to do better. It, it's not specific. How do you measure it? Um, you look at time-bound. Well, you want to do better when? over the next 40 years or 50 years or over the next 40 days. So, so I think when you think about goal setting, try to make them SMART. And SMART's, of course, the acronym, specific. So don't, I want to be better. I want to have less credit card debt. Uh, measurable, you know, you need to say, well, I, I have this amount of, of debt and I want to reduce it to this number or totally. So, so you've got to have some way to measure it. Of course, achievable, you know, if you say, hey, I want to have a million dollars tomorrow. Maybe some of you in the room can, can make that happen, but for most people, it's not achievable. It's not realistic. Uh, of course, relevant, you know, all your goals, especially financial goals, should tie back to your dreams. You know, if you have a goal that, that, that doesn't further your short-term, your medium-term, long-term dreams, you probably shouldn't have it uh, as a goal. Uh, and then lastly, time-bound. Again, set some, some goal around, hey, within 10 years, or the couple that had come in 2019 to the Dave Ramsey, they had a couple of year time frame to, to pay off debt. So, so make sure you, you cap it with time, but again, being realistic, achievable with that. So we know what hits the bank account. Now we gotta figure out where money goes. Then we've gotta set some goals of what we want our money to do for us. And that's where really step four comes in. And there's two things with, with making a plan. Uh, one, you have to, again, make sure that, that it's something you can do. So, so all of this uh, is within the limitation of algebra. 
know, if the goal is, hey, I want to have $30 million in 20 years, again, it may or may not be achievable within the bounds of algebra. So you've got to be playing in the right ballpark. Uh, the other piece is, of course, when you start to lay out the actual how. How do you do this? Okay, I'm going to every month pay this amount here or put this amount in this envelope or this amount in this account. So it's where you're laying out the specific plan. How will you carve up your cake? You know, how do you really want to prioritize what's important to you and if you're married to, to your spouse? We all have the finite cake. So if you take one visualization, take the cake. Some have bigger cakes, some have smaller cakes. But even Warren Buffett, his cake is not endless. It's not infinite. He has to choose how to carve up his cake in terms of what's important to him. And then lastly, like anything with planning, if you don't check back in on it, and I know Sam had referenced this, but, but getting some type of coaches together who would be like a coach and accountability partner, if you don't check back in on your plan, monthly, quarterly, I don't think it's something daily. I don't, Danny, maybe when he comes up, he can share because he's a big budgeter too. Um, but, but some frequency of you got to check back in because love the Mike Tyson quote. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. So you, put, you, know, you work hard, you put together this great plan, and then uh, an unexpected emergency hits tomorrow, or you lose a job. Or, of course, there are good things that can happen unexpectedly, too. You get a, a big raise at work, so now your income, your net income's bigger. Your pie's bigger. How are we going to carve that up? Or you get an unexpected bonus. Or Social Security gives you a raise, or, or whatever it might be. <laughs> I see maybe some of the, the folks potentially on Social Security. I won't make any assumptions. Uh, give me an eye, eye raise when, when I talk about uh, raises on Social Security. Um, but but it, it does no good to do all this if you don't plan to check back in. Because, again, it's a habit. It's a process. It's not, you know, hey, take this magic pill and all your problems are fixed. It's really a lifestyle change that we're trying to enact. Now, I know folks like rule of thumbs. I, I'm okay with rule of thumbs, I, I suppose. I mean, everybody in this room is unique. So, so you'll hear rule of thumbs, well, how much of your income should you spend on housing? Tricky in Delaware County because most folks here would not meet those ratios. You know, like a good rule of thumb is like 28% of your gross on housing, of your gross. Um, most folks here are probably above that because if, if you own homes are more expensive, if you rent, rent's through the roof in Delaware County, or Central Ohio, I should say. But if you like rule of thumbs, this is probably one of the best. It's 50, 30, 20. And I'll play a short clip here. It's about two minutes, which will talk a little bit more about it. You may have come across the 50, 30, 20 rule as you plan your finances. But what exactly is it? The 50, 30, 20 rule is a method of budgeting that can help keep your spending in alignment with your savings goals. It divides your after-tax income into three different buckets your essentials, your wants, and your savings. Here's how you can apply it to your budget. Set aside no more than 50% of your income for the absolute necessities. In general, these will include housing, food, transportation, and utility bills. Any expenses that you'd almost certainly have to pay, regardless of your job or current place of residence, would be considered an essential. Set aside 30% of your income for your wants. This would include unnecessary expenses that enhance your lifestyle, such as cable bills, trips to your local coffee shops, or buying those new shoes you've been eyeing. Take a look at your expenditures in your monthly budget, then decide which ones you're able to cut down. The fewer costs you have in this category, the more progress you'll make paying down debt and securing your future. Set aside the remaining 20% for your savings. Think of this as your get-ahead category. This includes savings plans, retirement accounts, debt payments, or rainy day funds. This category of expenses should only be paid after your essentials are taken care of, and before any personal spending. Whether you make $30,000 or $150,000 a year, establishing a good habit like this will last you a lifetime. Ready to get started on your 50-30-20 budget? Download the Mint app on your app store to manage all your finances in one place. This is the advertisement for Mint. So if you, you like Mint, it's a free app. It's a good app. Um, so obviously, that's, uh, 
that's aspirational in nature, because some of you might look at that right now and say, well, 70% of our budget goes to, to haves, and, and you know, 20% goes to one, and, and so it's aspirational, but it gives you kind of some framework to work towards, and if you've read the book, I mean, the one piece in the 20%, uh, which is also talked about that, that's not mentioned on uh, the, the Mint presentation is giving. You know, that would fall as well. So, so any type of charitable giving uh, within the, the 20%. But I think the key is the once only happen if you've done the halves to and, and the long-term planning. And that takes a discipline. I totally get all the pressures we face to, to kind of keep with, we were playing uh, the other day, catchphrase, anybody familiar with that game? Um, and uh, my sister-in-law, who's like 15 years younger than I, she said, Keeping up with the, how would you fill in that? <laughs> Interesting how it breaks up by age. I, I said Jones. And she said, wow, you're so old. And I'm like, well, that's what it is, right? Keeping up with the, the Jones. She said, no, Kardashians. Uh, <laughs> but, but my point with that is, again, it takes a discipline because of all the pressures that, that you face. You're going to get home and, and watch the advertisements if you flip on TV. You need a new car. I mean, it kills me around Christmas time. When, when, you know, it's this wife, she's thrilled to come out and her Christmas present was a BMW wrap. I'm like, who does this? You know, if you do, I, I'm sorry. It, it, it just blows my mind how much that, that you have to push back against that if you really want to get your house in order. Uh, this example will skip for sake of time, but I will spend uh, on one slide. So how can you free up funds? Again, we've talked around a lot of this, but these are specific ways. It'll give you the ways uh, to, to free up monies as you think about your budget. One, obviously, you can cut expenses. So cut would be fully eliminate. So, so if you look and say, hey, I'm having trouble month to month, well, you can cut Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus or HBO Plus or eating out. Uh, and again, the, the key is this is all personal. So as long as we can make the math work, you might say, well, hey, I like HBO, and I value that more than eating out twice a month. But if you can only have one and not both, which would you choose? Because that's really what this is. It's making decisions in the presence of scarcity. If we all had unlimited money, budgeting's easy. You know, but we all have finite money, so we're carving that cake up. And in the, towards the, the tail end, I hear this all the time. And it drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, but you hear from folks, well, we can't. And, and really what oftentimes they mean, and I, of course I don't say this, but, but it's they won't. I would say very few folks that I meet with or have met with or talked or coached or mentored, uh, the answer is they can't. It, it's almost always they won't. They're not willing to make the cuts, the sacrifices, to do it, because again, it is a quest. It's an arduous process. So if you look at just some examples, and again, none of these are necessarily bad things, although I guess in a church, I should probably say alcohol, gambling, and lotto tickets. <laughs> Don't do any of those things. Um, but, but you think about, uh, for, for the folks who say, well, I can't do this, we can't do this, and then insert whatever reason. Uh, I love the quote from Ben Franklin up top, beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. And I'm sure you've all seen versions of this, but this was a study done. The average uh, yearly income right now in the United States per family is about 52000 51916 that blue box towards the top right. The average family, and again, average is tricky, doesn't mean every, it means some do, some don't, wastes $8,000 a year on little expenses. And it starts to give you, again, none of these are necessarily bad, in a vacuum. But if you're not saving for retirement, if you're accumulating credit card debt, these are things that you probably shouldn't be carving your cake up to. So like a gym membership. I think gym membership's really valuable. The reason it's on here as a wasted membership, uh, how many folks get a membership, New Year's resolution, and, and you pay the membership and then come February you're done? You're still paying, you know, you let that run for another three or four months as an auto bill, and that's what a lot of the companies that sign you up for automatic billing, they plan for and they expect is that you don't cancel. So it's a it, gym membership, again, nothing wrong with these things, 
but, but it's the little things and, and the average family, if you were to look at your budget, and if you're curious, you can pull out your own budget. Starbucks, a little expense that adds up big. So we'll talk about it. And again, nothing wrong with Starbucks. So you look at an example with coffee. Uh, the average, well, this, this probably isn't updated with inflation, but, but this data says it's $2.95 for a cup of coffee. Um, if you buy a cup of coffee every day for five years, you're going to spend that, that far left figure with the guy drinking the coffee, the little graphic, you're going to spend $5,384 on coffee. So again, nothing wrong with having fun. That's not what budgeting is about. It's about having fun, but also thinking about the future. Um, you'll spend 5384 if instead you invested, put that money away, that $2.95 a day, which people say, well, that doesn't matter. If instead you did that uh, and you were able to, this assumes a 6% rate of return is what's in the math, and again, this is just algebra. After five years, your coffee would be worth the tree. You see there's $6,200. So you can see over a working career, you know, if you work 30 to 40 years, and again, it's not, hey, never buy coffee, but if we're not doing the things that we need to do to plan for the future, should we be buying, you know, Starbucks? Again, because it, it's one of those once, uh, not have tos. I'm going to go ahead and populate all of this. Oop. <laughs> Took my spoiler. Sam talked about this uh, on Sunday, and I'll, I'll quickly go through this, but I'm a big believer and I don't know that I've ever really shared this like publicly, but um, that everybody should go on a mission trip or multiple mission trips. So, so I was fortunate enough, I think it was like 6 and 11, I went on two mission trips to Jamaica. And I think everybody should do it and do it every couple of years because it really opens your eyes to how blessed we are in the United States. So whether you go to Jamaica or Honduras or wherever, you know, I think traveling can, can really open your eyes. Seven billion people on earth, uh, how well we have it here. So, so I told Danny, I have a hard time with excuses because we are so blessed. And if you look at the statistics, this, by the way, if you want to check the website, it's How Rich Am I? It is in the book. Uh, you can see the link there towards the bottom. But if you're a single, you make $25,000 a year. Um, you are in the richest 6.6% .6 of the global population. Married couple making 50,000 a year, you're in the richest 14% of the population. And actually, that should have said 25,000. So that, that first piece, married couple making 25,000 would be in the 14.1%, so it's the richest 14%. You see the 50,000, the, the fourth bullet point down there. And I won't read it back to you. The other piece, the, the final bullet point, a, a billion people in the world live on less than a dollar a day. And Sam and I didn't coordinate that, that he was going to talk about growing up in Brazil and some of his family. But if you were here on Sunday, you got a little bit of that insight of, I think he said his aunt, $600 a month is what she lives off of. So we are really blessed. And again, part of what you'll see in the book is because of that, we're called to be good stewards of what we do have. Um, we're going to quickly go through this piece. So, so this is a, some personal reflection. Um, I'm going to ask Danny to come up, and, and he's going to lead us on this part. But he said coffee, and those are fighting words in my house, Dusty. Uh, Starbucks, oh, man. I would tell a story about that, but this is being recorded, so I will not, I will not do anything to myself. But um, one of the things, one of the visions as we... As you know, we're on this quest, this journey of financial, uh, financial freedom, we can call it. Um, we, we wanted to make sure that we complemented the sessions from a biblical standpoint, too, as well. This, though, we're not talking of things that are not um, endorsed from the Bible. So from the Bible standpoint, we want to have some personal reflection. And Sam posed for a long time so we can, we can do that sculpture. <laughs> hey, that's, you look like, you look like Iron Man, dude, like, you look like an armor or something. <laughs> but, you know, do you believe that God owns everything? And if so, yes. Whoa. 
See, the devil doesn't want me to say what I'm about to say. <laughs> Sorry. See, that's what, we get, that's what we get for making fun of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, but Psalm 24, verse 1, it kind of grounds us. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and all those who dwell therein. So the, the Lord owns everything. It's not, we've kind of been managers in a sense. There's, there's a great parable in Matthew chapter 20, 25, I believe, where it talks about the parable of the talents. And what do you do with what's been bestowed towards you? What do you do with your cake? How do you carve your cake up? So we talked about budgeting. We talked about spending habits. We talked a lot about stuff today. But what do we do with the things that God has entrusted to us? So there's, real quickly, I want to give you a couple takeaways and a couple Bible verses to go with some of the things I'm talking about. So um, if you have a financial goal, creating a spending plan is the best route to take. So Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 30, uh, the verses tells us, suppose someone wants to build a tower. You know, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Now, that verse, that, that section talks about the cost of being a disciple. And then Jesus uses that to talk about if you're building something. So all, everything that we've talked about to this point is about how are we going to use the resources that we have. Some of us have a limited amount. Some of us has a different amount. But how are we going to use the things that we have? And the Bible tells us here also... That setting money aside for future expenses is wise. We, we picked that up from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Uh, this one, I really love this verse. It's a proverb. How many of you guys like Proverbs? How many of you guys grew up on Proverbs? They're great. Proverbs are great. They're not just in there just to be like, oh, that was a cool read. It's really good. It's really insightful. And if we apply some of the things that we hear or see in the Proverbs, we can really have fruitful lives. So Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 tells us, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Now, this passage doesn't identify who is wise and who is fools. It just gives you the mindset of what, the, what those people are. So we have to look in the mirror and reflect and see how are we, compared to this verse, this proverb, how are we using the things that we have? I'm not saying that we're wealthy or we're fools. It's a perspective thing. It's a mindset, right? Uh, the second thing is, uh, it is wise to save money. Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8. Creating a spending plan will help you become financially free. One of the things Dusty and I talked about as we were working on this was at, at J.P. Morgan, they did this thing called Journeys to Financial First. And to Financial First being like that first car. The first, the first big things that you do in your, in your household. How do you teach your kids about budgeting? Where are you applying that? Because they're not learning it in class. They're not learning it in school. One of the biggest failures for students is not teaching them how to manage money in their, in their upbringing. They, they become 18 years old, and all of a sudden, they're supposed to know how to budget. So as parents, if you help them with that, you're budgeting, they're budgeting too as well. It lends itself to help them be successful adults. So I think when it comes to budgeting, it's, it's about sharing that with everyone, not just you do it in a vacuum and your kids don't know how things are being done, how finances are being used. It's about teaching and educating them across the board. Lastly, understand how much you have and how much you will need. Obviously, you know, coming back to sessions three and four where we talk about investing and, and about retirement and so forth will be more about thinking about those plans. So one of the things as you leave here today, hopefully you leave encouraged and not necessarily deflated, but encouraged with all of the tools that we're going to be talking about. One of the cool things is about setting goals. Like what is your, what is your goal for your financial life? You know, as if you're married, that needs to be a, a discussion you have with your, with your significant other, even with your kids. One of the things uh, we like to do as a family, I do, is we try to but, uh, have a family meeting at the beginning of the year and talk about our goals. Now, I will admit, a lot of times we go back to it the next year, I'm like, we didn't hit any of those. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, but it's also I'm talking about habits and getting a routine, right, to be into that. But also, from a personal reflection, is we've established that Americans are among, man, I can't read that. 
I need to cheat in your slide here, Dusty. Do you have that one? Here we go. We established that Americans are among the richest people in the world. Why do you think most of us don't feel as blessed as we are? And how has the world managed to blind us to God's blessings? Um, our idea for this session was to have like a 10 minutes or so where we as a group talk about these things. But these slides, we'll, we'll, we'll get this material out to you because we did skip a few things. And the hope is that you can sit down and, and reflect on, on what, what you have been blessed with on these questions and help stir and stir your passion to kind of think about budgeting and engaging in budgeting. So that's really what we want to leave you with uh, in terms of today. In terms of our next steps, you want me to finish it up? I'll let you do it. And I'll echo what Danny said. I mean, my hope is, is that everybody leaves inspired. It's not going to be easy. You know, and, the, and the book, again, references the quest, the journey. It's arduous and tiresome, and, and it takes a long time. But if you think about all the areas of your life, uh, almost all of those areas can be improved if you have better money management, if you're more financially free. You want a better marriage? Financially being free will help. It may not solve all the problems. It'll help. You want to be a better dad? better mom, better money management will help. Uh, you want to be a better grandparent, better money management will help. So, so money is in every area of our life. And I, I get it, it's uncomfortable, it's something we don't like to talk about. And like I said, the media coaches against what we should be doing. So, so the minute you get home, you're going to be told to go spend money, get credit card debt, buy this, do that. So it's something you really have to develop the habit, the discipline, almost the callous to kind of push out, hey, I'm not going to live with the Kardashians. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to worry about having the nicest car in the neighborhood. Or taking, again, those are nice things if you're taking care of what you need to take care of. DiGiorno's a treat, right? Uh, create your budget. So on uh, the table, again, I like pen and paper. There are many great apps. You can use Excel. I know Danny likes Excel. I'm good old-fashioned pen and paper. Uh, this is just a guide. You could find very similar guides by a simple Google search. But all you do up top, figure out your income. And then you start to figure out where our money goes. And again, how are we going to, to carve and divide the pie? Uh, echoing back to, to where we started, for those of you who want further help, yeah, the goal is this is a 101 entry-level session. That the key is what you do next when you leave. So we will have uh, for folks at the end of the four-week sessions, uh, this is the first of four, if you want somebody to be a coach or an accountability partner, you know, whatever, insert whatever, that, that has done this successfully, I won't work to connect you, but I know Sam and, and team will work to, to connect you to those folks. So you can let Sam know that, or they're going to text, is that right? Okay, so that'll be the next slide, I suppose. Uh, the last piece that, that I would share, and I talked about the cake. Again, think about budgeting as cake. But I think the key is always be learning. You know, one of the things I think about with my own life is I was never the smartest. I mean, I was kind of like middle of the road. Uh, but, but in high school, I dated like three people that are now doctors, so I always give my wife a, a hard time about that. Uh, but, but I was never the smartest kid. I think one thing that, that separates me, especially when it comes to money and finance, than other folks is, you know, so many of us, we get out of high school, we get out of college, we just quit learning. We quit, you know, there, I mean, so many depressing statistics of how many people don't read a book once they graduate college. So, so keep learning about this. And, and there's so many resources of the library, there's books, there's the internet uh, that are free and available. But, but consider this just the starting point of a lifelong process. The final piece, if I can get it to come up, and then I can hang around, we can do a Q&A, whatever works, because I know we're a little bit late. I'll let Sam wrap up. You, Sam, want to take this piece here? Thanks, Dusty. Thanks, Danny. Uh, why, why after the four weeks? Because we want you some skin in the game. Uh, this is a hard journey, so if, we, if you want some coaching in the end of this, we would love to help you with that part. 
but you have to put some work into it at the beginning. And I think these four classes are the beginning of the work. I think if you can endure this four class, learn and continue to put the work into in the next uh, four weeks, I think we then it's, it's a, it's a, it's that you know, first step on that thousand, uh, 10,000 miles or whatever that Chinese thing was. It's a Brazilian proverb. And uh, so we, 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 want, we want to help Delaware Christian Church. You know the vision. The vision is to equip God's people. We are a hub, a place where people can get healing, spiritual, social, financial. Uh, but uh, we don't want to do it. We won't do everything for you. We want to walk with you. And part of that walk is that uh, we will provide this sermon series, this workshop, and then connect you with, uh, with individuals in the end. Thank you.